And so when we talk about stuttering, we really need to use these stories to kind of find out the role that stuttering is playing in one's life. We need to know the role that stuttering or the impact that stuttering is having on that individual. And the amount of stuttering is really the least important variable. You can have someone who stutters a ton and yet it doesn't hold them back. They don't worry about it and they do whatever they want. And then you can have another person who barely stutters, but the fear and anxiety about that moment of stuttering is keeping them isolated and alone. Welcome to the Stuttering Springboard, a podcast focused on helping young people spring to the next level in life and educate the population on what it means to be a person who who stutters and the experiences they have. In this inaugural episode, Brian Nolan, founder and president of the Nolan Stuttering Foundation, and Dr. Joe Donaher, Research Program Director with the Department of Speech-Language Pathology at Children's Hospital of Philadelphia, explore the, 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 the scope of the program and talk about some big topics in a stutterer's world. And welcome to our podcast, Jack Nolan. Thank you so much. Welcome to the Stuttering Springboard. Um, in this first episode, we're going to discuss what to expect from this program. In this program, we're going to get real as it relates to what it feels like to be a young person who stutters in in this world, today's world, as they make a journey and spring to the next level in life. Brian Nolan is my name. I'm here with my good friend and mentor, Dr. Joe Donaher from Children's Hospital of Philadelphia, a mentor of mine, as I said, and frankly, a hero to those of us who stutter. That's a big word, Joe, but it's so true. Uh, welcome, Joe. Great to have you. Thank you, Brian. I think we should end on that beautiful introduction. <laughs> that might be the only compliment that you get. <laughs> During, yeah. during this thing. I guess but, they were taping that. And, you know, I, I say that because he, he helps us understand uh, stuttering at a level that sometimes we spend a lifetime not, not looking inside. And it's a whole different level of speech therapy that is based on um, avoidance reduction, on acceptance, uh, disclosure, on being comfortable with our, our stutter, I, I said to Joe before we recorded, I've always been comfortable, not always, for the past 10 years, I've, I've been comfortable telling people that I stutter and I've been dealing with this, but I'm, I'm still working through being comfortable stuttering, uh, whether it's in front of you, Joe, uh, or in front of anybody. Um, and I, I think that's one thing, when you have true acceptance, um, then you don't beat yourself up when you stutter. Um, so I just want to sort of say that, that this program over the course of, of weeks is going to deal a lot about that. We're going to get into the cognitive implications, beliefs, attitudes, uh, behavioral decision, decisions and attitudes, the stigma associated with stuttering, the implications of avoidance and how, how that affects people who stutter shame, acceptance, and more. Uh, 
all of these topics as they apply to young adults, specifically a young person who springboards, that's why it's called the Stuttering Springboard podcast series, as they spring to different levels in life. If you think about, I think about times where stuttering impacted me most, it was probably seventh grade going into middle school and then middle school going into high school. And then, oh my gosh, I'm gonna to go to college. No one's gonna know me. No one's gonna know that I stutter. How long will it take them to know that I stutter? Let me try and hide it as long as I possibly can. And then career, going from uh, college to, oh my gosh, I gotta pick a career where I can talk, where I don't have to talk maybe. So, but what if I wanna talk? Um, so we'll have a guest on each episode, mainly consisting of adults who stutter to share their journey, their stories of grit, their stories of shame and eventually perseverance. And, and so I wanna open up a line of questioning for, for Joe. Um, Joe, you and I have talked a lot about, about stories, about the powerful impact of stories. I know for me, when I share stories, I feel the sense of freedom that I'm being authentic uh, to myself. Um, why are stories so powerful as a, as a learning tool, Joe? Yeah, well, great question to start with there. And the, the power of stories is, uh, it's amazing. And it, it can be transformative as we know. And uh, Brian, you know, I just got back from a trip to Ireland. And so I needed a prop for this, for this uh, podcast. <laughs> it's a great so, hat you have on. Like that, yeah, I like that. It's an Irish so, cap. So, so what's important about this and why I'm, I'm bringing up my trip to Ireland is that storytelling has a great, great tradition in the Irish culture. And some of my favorite memories growing up were hearing stories about my, my dad telling stories about when he was young or my mom telling stories. And it, it has a rich tradition in my culture. And one of my favorite things is if you talk to, a, to an Irish person who's telling you a good story, I love in the story when it comes to the point where they say, in order to finish this story, I got to tell you these other two stories first. And <laughs> Sounds so, like Conal Mulraney now. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Our good friend. So stories are a powerful tool, okay? And we can use them to recount history. And that, that's what stories have been done forever, to pass stories down over generations, to kind of teach a point or to express emotions, to express feelings that you want to get out. And often we use stories to tell that, right? And if we think about it, the power of stories is, is twofold. The first is when you put your story out there, it's going to be empowering to others, okay? When they hear your story, they're going to be inspired, they're going to be motivated from the similarities, there's congruence between your experience with stuttering and someone else's. So the power of stories first comes in, into how, how much it can empower others, right? And they can listen and learn and feel more comfortable to share their own stories then. That's the first piece. Mm. But for the storyteller, you actually said in your introduction that telling your story was freeing. Right. Oh, yeah. And I like that word, because when we tell a story, there's a cathartic piece to it. Right. We, we kind of put a story out there 
and we're conveying our thoughts and our expressions. But in order to do that, we have to get we have to kind of get hold of what we're thinking, get hold of what we're feeling. Is this a funny story? Is it a positive story? Is it a negative story? And so what stories also allow us to do is kind of process our emotions over time. We all have stories that started out where you were angry and upset and a sad story, right? I, I told Brian one before this, before this meeting that it was, I was upset with this story, right? By the end of the time Brian and I were talking to it, it's become a funny story already. Yeah. And what that showed in that time, I processed my emotions. And you use the word acceptance, right? And that's a big word. And that could be 10 podcasts worth of discussion on what is acceptance. But if we think of acceptance just as acknowledging something or being okay to say, yes, I stuttered, just acknowledging, right? You have to acknowledge that you stutter to tell a story about your own stuttering. So the more open we talk about it, the more objectively we talk about it, the more cathartic that becomes and the better able you are to process the emotions about your stuttering. So that's why I love having people who started to tell me their stories. The other thing is there's something magical in listening to somebody tell their story. Uh, when you just sit there engaged in it and actively listen, it makes the speaker feel better. It makes them feel more supported. So I love the privilege of listening to people's stories. And going back to my, my heritage, I love telling a good story as well. You know, it gets into how, how to disclose to someone that you stutter and yep. no, no better way to disclose it than to give some context and a, a story gives context you know right. I, I tell stories of of uh seventh grade um presenting I tell stories in, and um and, and now it's no longer a circular conversation in, inside my head I mean this this whole thing about when you stutter um, well, first of all, if, if you're a kid, you think you're the only one because um, it's not exactly a, a community like who stutters, raise your hand, let's all go out together. Like that doesn't happen. And so um, telling the story, it's almost like a, a pressure release valve inside of our heads yeah. that uh, all of a sudden it allows it, uh, it, it allows us to, as you, as you said, look at stuttering from from the outside in, as opposed to just getting overwhelmed by this thing. Um, what, what type of stories are we talking about? Talk a little bit about, and, and can you share a couple stories, obviously without sharing names, but maybe examples of stories? Yeah, I like stories about animals. <laughs> uh, personal stories, stories that you experienced are really, are really good things to, to talk about. And, and I think I use stories in therapy to kind of normalize things. So, so if I hear someone's very upset about something, I might tell them a story from another person who stutters who did something very similar to theirs. Now, I won't usually give the ending of these stories to say this is what you should do, basically. I'll use the stories to then ask the individual, what would you do in that situation? What do you think the options are? And, and stories are a good way to start discussion about some things that are tough, right? Because you can externalize those. So let's say I'm talking to Brian Nolan about his stuttering and he's not really comfortable talking about stuttering. I can say, Brian, I know this, this fellow named Steve who stutters, right? And he's struggling with this. And I tell his story, right? 
for you to give me your opinion on what Steve should do, it's safer because it's external. It's not about you at this point. We're talking about that goofy guy, Steve. Doesn't matter to me. But the more you do that, the more then you'll be able to take it closer to your own personal experience. Hmm. So sometimes we'll use external stories to kind of make someone feel comfortable about it to then eventually tell their own stories. The other thing I do a lot of is um, we'll talk about non-stuttering things a lot, right? So if someone is really worried or anxious or scared to talk about their own personal stuttering story at this point, we can talk about other things. So let's say we want to talk about fear, anxiety, you know, the time they were worried, right? We'll talk about, give me a time you were scared or worried, or give me a time when someone you know was scared or worried, right? And it'll have nothing to do with stuttering. It'll be a story about fear, right? And then we'll say, well, how did you work through it? What was the end? What happened? And the way they work through those stories that are not about stuttering will be very similar to the way they work through those stories about stuttering. So a lot of times we'll do things like that. Um, I have certain stories in my head that I can pull out all the time. One of them is Christmas morning. I was six years old. I was on Cornell Avenue. Uh, Santa Claus had come. We're on the top of the steps because we're not allowed to go down the steps on Christmas morning until my parents check. My parents go downstairs. They yell, Santa came. So we go running down the steps and I see a brand new 10 speed bike. Now, granted, I was way too young for for a 10 speed bike, but I thought it was mine. It happened to be my brother's who's five years older than me. And I can remember I ran across the room and I jumped up and landed on top of this 10 speed bike, which I caused it to crash into a chair on Christmas morning in in middle of all the gifts. Um, How was I feeling at that point? And then we'll talk about you were annoyed, you were frustrated, and they'll give me stories about how I felt in that situation so that's another way therapeutically that we use stories yeah. as a do you ever do like any any group conversations like if you ever have three or four people who stutter and and they'll they'll like someone someone who stutters is giving someone advice or or input based upon their own experiences or or is there not a lot of group types you No, know, i'll tell you a great experience this summer actually in our in our intensive teen group that we had the springboard where these are all kind of older teenage kids who are getting ready to go to work or go to college or whatever. And they're meeting a lot of adults who stutter for the first time. And um, it was really interesting hearing them talk about their stories this year, because um, the, the one fellow I remember in the middle of a discussion was telling a story how in the middle of it, someone said something that was kind of dismissive of his stuttering. And he told the story to that point and then said what the person said to him. And every other teen in that group was like, oh, I would do this and I would do that. And it really was a nice discussion point about how would you react if you were in that situation? So I, I think groups of kids who stutter are extremely powerful because they get to that point you want to get at much quicker. Yeah, right? so because just to, to maybe peel back that story a little bit, um, uh, we've all had, had times when someone would say, Hey, Brian, you did, you did really well. You didn't stutter. Wow. You did really super well. And we, we then reflect on that. And, and that actually makes us feel bad. It actually makes us feel horrible the next time we do stutter because we didn't do really well because we stuttered. And uh, this, this happened to be a a friend who was telling a friend, uh, boy, I noticed you're doing great tonight. And, and like he, the guy, the kid didn't know how to handle that because it seemed like a compliment but it was actually the opposite. You call something, you call it 
aggression. Tell me again your term for it. I think you called it something. It was an aggressive. Well, it was kind of a microaggression. Microaggression. Thank you. Thank it you. makes you feel worse afterwards, not better. So it's a negative way to say. But but um, yeah, I mean, I, that was one example in there that that individual if he hadn't told that story to the group of teens, and it was the first time he told that story to the group, um, if he hadn't processed that in front of the group or with the group, then he would continue to stew on that, right? And it would just fester, become bigger and bigger and bigger. And, and so being able to put that out to the group, and it was amazing how, how honest and authentic the, the folks are with their answers and their discussion points on that. But that's a perfect example where his story led to a great deal of work. It led to discussions in group. It led to individual stories. It led to all kinds of work just because he was brave enough to let that story out. And I'm sure other kids in that group who have not told their own story to anyone will kind of find motivation in that and see the benefits of sharing with others. You know, um, on this topic of, um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go off a little bit because I just, just had this thought that I think I think matters. Um, we're we're not trying to to fix people stutter here. Our goal is is not to make you as fluent as possible. These these stories are to make you put put stuttering in context, um, not have stuttering rule you. So when when parents come to us or come come to you, can you help him? This word help is an interesting thing. They may be coming to you saying, can you help him not stutter? Can you help him fix his stutter? But since I've known you, your whole perspective is, um, I'm gonna help your son uh, become happy. I'm gonna help your son um, become okay with who he or she is, which is obviously the most important thing in life. Um, is there like a, a message you wanna share on that, because everybody, and I think, I think speech therapy in general over the years for people who stutter has been has been focused on tools on getting through. And obviously, there's a place for that. You and I have talked about it to help you get through a tough block. Um, but these these stories are meant to have young people and older people who stutter put stuttering in context so it doesn't rule their life. Can you can you comment on that? I know I, I just threw you a curveball, but yeah, it's okay. It's a hard I like time hitting it. Yeah, I like curveballs. Thanks for bringing up the Phillies too. They just lost the World Series. That's not too <laughs> painful. Thanks, Brian. Um, yeah, no, I, I think it's important, and you're right because when parents come to me, what do they want? And, and this is interesting. I just had a parent tell me this about two weeks ago. They want to fix the problem. And she was very matter of fact with me because, you know, I'm talking about all this stuff about having them feel more confident, having them talking more, having them engage more. And she's like, we want to fix the problem. And so after she said that phrase to me two or three times, you want to fix the problem. I said to her, well, the good thing is we 100 percent agree. But what's the problem? Like I was kind of crazy. And I said, we 100% have the same goal. We both want to fix the problem. And she said, yes. And I said, the only disagreement is what is the problem? I love it. She sees the problem as stuttering, right? So if she took away the stuttering, he wouldn't have worries about socialization anymore. He'd have tons of friends. He'd have the best looking girlfriend on the planet. He'd have a job that was just amazing. Uh, he'd have all this other stuff if we just fix the stuttering. 
right? So unfortunately, we don't know how to necessarily do that. Um, so what we do is let's better identify what the problem was. And for him, the problem was not engaging socially, of being isolated, of not being comfortable to go out and talk to kids or not being comfortable to go meet new people or introduce himself. So we started talking about, can you hit that goal and still stutter the exact same way you're stuttering right now? And for him, he said, no. Okay. So I said, well, what would, what would help you do that? And for him, he didn't want to necessarily stop stuttering. He'd love to stop stuttering 100%, but that's not what his goal ended up being. He wanted to stop the hard blocks because as soon as he would get into a hard block, he would give up and retreat. And so when he wanted to go into a social situation, when he wanted to go somewhere, do something, the fear of blocking stopped him from doing it. Right. So we worked, started working with that. And we worked on a couple of things. One's desensitizing him to stuttering so that when he hit a moment of stuttering, it wasn't that automatic gate slamming down and he'd stop. Right. So he has to be more comfortable with stuttering in his speech and continue to communicate and communicate effectively, even if he stutters. Right. So we started talking about that. And then we started changing a little bit of the way he stutters because he wanted to do it a little bit more easy flow and kind of moving forward in his speech a little bit. So there's an example where we're working now on specific strategies to change his speech, right? We're not doing that to come up with 100% zero stuttering. We're doing that so he can communicate more freely and effectively because he feels the hard blocks are what kind of prevents him from moving forward. So at the same time, we're working on desensitization and accepting his stuttering and not being so scared of it and avoiding everything because of it. And we're working on some motor speech pieces at the same time. So what's interesting, though, is we think about all of this pulled together and it has to come from the individual. If we started talking to him and didn't learn about his story, didn't learn about what's hard for him, we would make that mistake of jumping right to fixing the stuttering behaviors. And every time I've clinically worked on just getting rid of stuttering, it's bitten me in the long run. And we've had to go back and work on that work on desensitization and awareness and a little bit of acceptance and all this other stuff. Yeah, so, yeah. so to me, one leads to the other, not vice versa. It's, so, not, so, it's not a linear change. Hey, uh, by the way, that's a story you just told <clears throat> that... Anybody listening here, uh, I'm sure listening to a story and putting themselves in that in that kid's perspective and that parent's perspective. So that's the power of stories is a story of, of uh, okay, so what's our takeaway there? Our takeaway is it's about them. It's about, it's about the person who stutters and what matters to them and uh, how to get them to be um, able to just communicate because that's what's frustrating to us how frustrating to us, us, those who stutter, is that um, we don't feel like we can get our message out. And then when we start to block, we retreat, like you said, and we don't get it, so we become our own worst enemy. And until, and I, I use, I've used this term like three times lately, the, the only way out is through it. So we've gotta, we've gotta not retreat, we've gotta find ways to push forward in ways where we can become more comfortable with who we are. Um, yeah, I think it's important, just even the word retreat, right? I hate that like, word. Nobody says, it was great, we retreated. 
right? You're, you're never going to hear that, right? You're, you're never going to hear like uh, uh, Napoleon saying my dynasty because we retreated so well, right? Like it's just a negative word. It's just, you feel like you've given up or you're failing kind of. And, and to me, retreating also feels like you're losing part of yourself, right? There's a sense of loss with retreat. Yeah, you know, Chris Anderson in, in his new book, Every Waking Moment, which is a fabulous book. And, and Chris, if you're listening to this, thank you for your transparency. Um, he, he talks about being on, on the sidelines. And when you retreat, you're retreating from life. You're retreating from who you are, who you're meant to actually be. And um, which is really why we're doing what we're doing here. It's, it's, it's the purpose of this podcast. It's a purpose of, of the foundation, Nolan, Nolan Stuttering Foundation. Um, it is- the, Brian, I'm sorry. What was the name of that foundation again? I was wondering if you could mention that again. Yeah, thank you. The Nolan Stuttering Foundation. So, so there I, I, I stuttered, obviously. I had a block um, and I'm still working on becoming comfortable blocking, right? Uh, thank you, Joe, for letting me, thank you for putting a spotlight on that because the only uh -huh. way out is through it. The Nolan Stuttering Foundation. Our, our purpose is to help people become the best versions of them, to get off the sidelines and get in the game. And I, I can tell you, every time in life that I retreated, every time in life that I avoided, <clears throat> I got farther and further away from my authentic self. From, and then the next time I tried to do something, it became even bigger than life because now I, I, it was shining. Like, you can't do that, Nolan. Uh, you couldn't do it before. What makes you think you can do it now? Like the self-talk that you have is unbelievable when you go through this. But as soon as you power through it, you you get you get confidence and uh, you start to become yourself. Um, so it's interesting. It's interesting. Another thing that's really helpful with stories is, um, and for people who stutter, as as you mentioned this already, is so many people feel isolated and alone. Right. They feel that they're just kind of in their own world and no one cares. Um, and another nice thing to do with stories is you can start to kind of change perspectives and things. So someone will tell you a story and you can challenge them a little bit and saying, so you said those people didn't care. Did they not care? Or maybe it was something else. And you can start to kind of change perspectives a little bit by challenging stories a little bit. And I think that's a, a really powerful tool, too. So when, when a child says that I was in class and uh, nobody, nobody wanted to hear me stutter and they would all laugh when I stuttered and you say, wow, so they laughed out loud. And well, well, no, they didn't really laugh out loud. OK, they just smirked and kind of made faces. Well, no, they didn't really do that. But I know they were thinking it on the inside. OK, so stories. what did you see? What did you see that tells you that? Right. And it's really a nice way to discuss perspectives a little bit. Hmm. Let, let's, uh, let's just spend the last few minutes of the podcast um, talking about uh, the, the levels uh, that of, of life that the springboard is going to really focus on the level of uh, what's happening in the mind of, of an eighth grader who stutters, what's happening in the mind of a high schooler who stutters, what's happening in the mind of a college student and uh, or you know your first job and career, um, can you can you shed 
any light on some of the some of the dialogue that's going on inside these young people who who uh, stutter their lives? Yeah, and again, I know I'm a broken record with this, but there's congruence between those young people who stutter and those other young people who just happen to be young people. And I think we have to think about that. You're mentioning all these times of transition where you go from grade school where you feel pretty comfortable because you're the captain of the basketball team, you're fitting your academics, you know, you know people, you're comfortable with them. And then all of a sudden you switch to this big local high school that has people coming from a whole bunch of grade schools. And that's really scary. And then you switch from high school and you're going off to college and you're moving away from your house and you're going to live somewhere else. And then you have to get out of college and start making money and get a job. So all these points of transition are very difficult. And I think what's important to know is those points of transition are difficult for everyone. So I have a son who's a freshman in college. So the last couple of years, last two, three years, we were getting ready for his transition to college. So he had to do things like look at what kind of school he wanted to go to, look at what his major was. He still doesn't know that, by the way. Um, look at all these life decisions that he was starting to make. And that's really difficult. And it's exciting because it's a new world. But it's also difficult because there's serious consequences to these decisions that kids make. So now put the extra layer on top of that being a person who stutters, okay? So now you start worrying about where should I go to college? Where can I go to college that my stuttering won't matter? Where can I go to college? What major can I have that I won't have to do a lot of talking in? What major should I have that I can actually do, right? And so all this negative thoughts and fears and anxiety starts coming in at that age. So what we started thinking was, why not show kids a glimpse of what their potential could be. So for example, we had a young girl who wanted to be, wants to be a school teacher and she doesn't know if she can be a teacher and stutter. Mm. So we brought in a female school teacher who happens to stutter. And Great so, story. yeah, they got to meet each other and talk and kind of mix this. One of the best stories here, and we can't do this with everyone, but one of the folks in our intensive this summer was going to be a sophomore in high school and he was a very strong basketball player he's getting recruited already for college out of uh, freshman year of high school he started at varsity freshman year great basketball player right now he's starting to have to do interviews and starting to do things where his stuttering is becoming a bigger issue for him mm. so for him what we did is we hooked him up with a professional basketball player who happens to also stutter and so they had a conversation and have had multiple ones since then, actually. And then we brought them in to meet each other so that this boy, all of his hopes and dreams of things he wants to do, this guy did already. So they talked about what role stuttering played in that and how did he perceive it and how did he persist and keep going to accomplish his dreams. We had other kids who want to be business majors. So we brought in some business folks who stutter. We brought in a small business person who stutters, who's also a, a local politician, right? And he has to go in and debate things all the time. So what we started to do was to take these teens who stutter and introduce them to adults who stutter, who are functioning in society, who are doing the things that they someday want to be doing. And that really was the, the, the heart of the springboard to show these people that you can spring into your new life, whatever that is. Wow. 
that's really, really good stuff and, and help them to um, raise the ceiling. You know, when you get in these age groups, you feel like the ceiling is lower and you, and you got to break through it because you put, you put, you have so many self-limiting beliefs based upon your stuff. Now I'm going to, I'm going to say stuff because what you realize is everybody has stuff. Everybody has something you mentioned earlier, you know, so the, so the kid going to college who stutters, there's maybe the uh, roommate that he or she has, has something else, whether it's dyslexia or it's anxiety or it's depression, everybody's got stuff. And when you share stories, uh, you make the stuff not seem like you're the only one that has stuff. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. Because actually we know this from, from research on stuttering, but we know from research on other things too, is everybody knows exactly what stuttering is or so they think, right? Everybody thinks they know what stuttering is. But unless you really have a close relationship with someone who stutters or you're a person who stutters, it's really difficult to understand the nuances of what stuttering is. Um, yesterday, I was in Washington, D.C., working on some legislative work with stuttering, and I had a senator say to me, now this is after working on stuttering with this guy for a long time, and he says, well, everybody stutters sometimes. Every once in a while, I'll stutter. And I, we're right back to re-educating and, and doing things. But um, I, I think one of the important things about stuttering, though, is that stuttering is a lot more than just stuttering. And so when we talk about stuttering, we really need to use these stories to kind of find out the role that stuttering is playing in one's life. We need to know the role that stuttering or the impact that stuttering is having on that individual. And the amount of stuttering is really the least important variable. You can have someone who stutters a ton and yet it doesn't hold them back. They don't worry about it and they do whatever they want. And then you can have another person who barely stutters, but the fear and anxiety about that moment of stuttering is keeping them isolated and alone. That, that, that is the biggest thing from, from my personal life is, is the, the, the fear and anxiety in every interaction that day you you look ahead and you look at you know where am I going to stutter today and you actually you you put yourself there and it and so your mind uh so when you talk about it through through story that's part of the freeing experience the the pressure release valve that you let go um because now you feel like you're being true to yourself and I want to end with that because our podcast time is is coming to an end. Uh, we're gonna we're gonna have uh, a episode next week and the week after, so December first, December eighth, December fifteenth, uh, and we are uh, then gonna have two podcasts a month. Uh, we have guests lined up, and um, you can find this obviously on Spotify, on Apple Podcasts, anywhere where you get your podcasts. We are the Nolan Stuttering Foundation. And we're proud to bring you the stuttering springboard. Joe Donaher, thank you from the bottom of my heart. You Irish made you. Nice job today. Appreciate you. Thanks, Brian. Hope to see have, you soon. Have a great day. Nolan Stuttering Foundations, or NSF's primary purpose is to bring young people who stutter together and help them become the best versions of themselves. We do this through programming design to help them share 
and navigate the unique communication and psychological challenge they experience. NSF helps prepare young people to take the next step in their lives, whether it's high school, college, or, or, or your, your career. For ideas and, and contributions to the podcast, contact us at info at nolansf.org.